Hello there, I'm Miranda Gretton and this is Take a Moment with NCHC, the show where we talk to you and your colleagues about experiences that affect you. Listen on your drive between patients or in your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. Before we start, this conversation focuses on the topic of grief, with some themes you might find difficult to hear, so do check the show notes for more details. I've recorded 50 episodes of Take a Moment with NCHNC. I've listened to over 60 fellow staff members tell me about their experiences on some really tough and emotive topics. So it's time for me to be brave, like my colleagues, and tell you about my own lived experience on the subject of grief. Four years ago, my big brother George passed away from a heart attack. He was 38. To help me today, I'm speaking with psychological and bereavement lead, Tracy Dryhurst. Hi, Tracy. Thank you for being here with me today. Um, Tracy, can you just give us, before we start, a brief understanding of what grief actually Mm, is? Of course. So I would say grief is really the word which describes the way in which we express our thoughts and feelings about loss. And loss can really be all sorts of things over the course of our life we will experience lots of loss and change and that will always stimulate a grief response so even small things in terms of our life transitions you know when we move house or we um, start a new school as a young person we change jobs all of these things are change and loss and change stimulate a grief response. Today we're going to be talking about that in relation to the death of someone we love. So we're talking about the most intense feelings and we'll think as bit as we move along about what they look like, how they manifest, how we see them. We will, we'll go on to talk a, a lot about different parts of grief and what it looks like and our response to it. So let's start off by talking about that sort of complexity of grief. It's not one size fits all is it and that makes it really hard for the individual who's suffering but also for those around them to know what to do to help Mm. so what is it Tracy that makes grief so complex I'm working in a palliative field where families are alongside their loved ones seeing illness uh, physical illness change them and they'll say actually that loss began many years ago really at the point of diagnosis so the story of loss will impact upon grieving and how we grieve because we're trying to make sense of all that in grief we'll go back and look over it again and see it from different angles wonder could we have done something different so certainly that story will will impact we always look at grief in relation to the self so we we go back and think, could I have done something different? Actually, often there isn't anything we could have done, but we'll always take it there. And that's what tends to make it, you know, another element of complexity. Obviously, your relationship with the person that will impact as you move forward in terms of how you see yourself, how you see yourself in relation to him. I think the nature of the way someone dies and how you experience that will also be a factor. For me here in our team, what we're trying to do is to help families make sense of what's happening, prepare for their loved one dying. Our aim is that in grief, we can ameliorate some of the things I'm talking about with you because we have an opportunity to do that. But for you, you heard of your brother's death suddenly. It wasn't expected. 
you know it's a really dynamic yeah. process Miranda I think that's what I'm trying to underline is that just listening to that snapshot of your story I was really noticing all of the potential threads that can make it difficult for people to navigate what is essentially a normal process it's important to underline that when we love you know the cost of loving is grieving but there will be parts of the story that will amplify different parts of the grieving process for people if they don't get a chance to unravel it and unpick it with someone and that's mm. what you did essentially isn't it you you found some space to make sense of it yeah I did and I, I really felt that I needed support in doing that when you think of grief sometimes you do think of it as being quite simple somebody dies you're sad about it end of yeah, you know but it's not like it. that no no and that those are really really important words around some of those other threads of complexity because when we're grieving someone in their wholeness as I like to put it then we have to acknowledge all the parts of them and the difficulty I think for people who are bereaved is that what I call the sort of non-bereaved population see it in that simple sense that someone dies and we are sad and of course, when someone dies, mostly we are sad, but we are also a range of other feelings. We can feel rage towards the person that they hurt us. You know, those things have to be acknowledged. It runs the whole gamut of feelings of expression. And actually, for the grieving person, we need the opportunity to bring all parts of ourself to the space where we can acknowledge all parts of them. Otherwise, what happens is that we feel like the only thing we can do is to be sad. And then we're compromising ourselves in grief. And it is hard because I think for the bereaved, the sort of message is that sadness is the predominant feeling. And actually, quite a lot of the time it is not. It is anger, unfairness, rawness. But if we're told that actually we can only be sad, it sort of means that we have to sort of push down those other things about us. And then our relationship with the person isn't in its fullness. And actually, I think unless we have the space to talk about the parts of our relationship that were difficult, it makes it harder for us to actually reconnect with the parts of the person that we loved. The more I talk about it, the the more I find little things to help me get through it. Mm. But also, if we can help other people by talking about it, if we can share our experiences, that can only be a good thing. Mm. Absolutely. You know, what you're left with as a representative of the bereaved is that you have to go forward. And that is another sadness in a way, even down to sometimes something as simple as, how am I going to say some words about my, my experience with others? How am I going to describe myself? What do I say? I need to arm myself with with those responses. You're you're absolutely right. Is is recognize who I am now? I'm an only child, but also mm. I don't want to. I don't, I am an only child now, but I don't want to say I never had a sibling. So it's how I then describe myself, like exactly mm. as you say. How do I describe myself to people? And it does give you a different perspective to your own mortality, being an only child when you used to have a sibling. I now feel really strongly that I can't die before my parents because can't put them through that again. But also I'm I'm going to be 40 in May. So I'm now older than he ever was. And there's this, mm. you know, there's all of that that goes with it that, you know, who who am I now? And so you're absolutely right. It's, it's framing that for yourself and being 
in control of that so that when yeah. you are asked questions that might disarm you mm. that you're almost kind of ready for that so mm. how, how can people prepare for that in a, in a sort of logical and sensible way well I think clearly if you're going to have some bereavement counselling you can explore some of those things in that space but I suppose sometimes the reality is that you will be disarmed and I guess the thing to do in that moment is to try and navigate it as best you can and sometimes acknowledge that you can't I think that's what's really important is to know that the reality of grieving is that we will carry the loss with us through our own life. And what that means is we can prepare for a lot of things, but there will be moments when grief sort of comes around the corner and quickly snaps us in a moment that we don't expect it. And I guess the thing to do is to be kind to oneself, to be compassionate, because actually what it says is that as we move through life, we will connect with the loss in moments, sometimes that we can prepare for and others that we can't. And it's just important to notice the ebb and flow and how grief will impact upon who we are as a self. You know, you put that really beautifully. I am now an only child, but I am also a sibling. I am still a sibling. You know, George existed in my life, in my narrative, in our family story. But somehow, because of his loss, my position has changed. And therefore, my relationship to my parents, my relationship to myself has changed. So your mortality, because you've been touched by death and loss, your own relationship to your own mortality will also be much more present for you. And so in some ways, you know, when someone dies, it robs us of a little bit of naivety in life that actually things happen. It really demonstrates, this conversation demonstrates the sort of the subtle nuance of all the things we can be thinking about when we're grieving. They're still normal things, but they are threads that, that and sometimes one of those threads will be pulled and we'll, we'll be forced to kind of have a little look, think about them. That's a really good way of putting it because a thread, a thread can be yanked by a song or mm. a smell. Or, exactly. you know, uh, even I was in um, Deerham the other day where we, we grew up and I was walking through the town centre and a car pulled up next to me. And this young lad got out and shouted, Porgie, like this to, to someone over the road. But we used to call George Porge. That was his nickname. Mm. It could have been one of his friends calling to him 20 years ago. And that was a real hit in my chest. And, mm. and so that was a tug on a thread. But then the, the tug on the thread can turn into an unravel particularly around times like birthdays or the anniversary of his death, just anything that is a real sort of significant milestone. The thread then gets pulled so much that a whole the whole jumper unravels, if you know what I mean. Mm, and I think mm, one of the most important things for me was talking to my family, my friends, my line manager, my colleagues about those milestones and saying, mm. look, my threads will unravel a lot more around these times of the year. I might have moments where things are more difficult for me. And on the last anniversary of his death, I, I spoke to my colleagues, and my line manager, and, and they were so supportive. And they said, do what you need to do. I actually went and worked from my parents' house that day. So I was working, but I took my lunch break up at the, at the graveside. And mm -hmm. um, so I went to visit him. So I was able to weave my grief and my control of my grief into my working day which sounds yeah. bonkers now but I think four years on I'm getting to that point where I am coping a bit a bit more with how mm. I want to deal mm. with it 
how you feel isn't a matter of choice, but you can choose how you cope with those feelings. It was the best anniversary we've had in the four years. It was the best one. And I feel now able moving forward that the fifth year and the sixth year and the seventh year, I'll have more control over how I want to market and how those threads will unravel around me. And there's so many lovely things in, in what you said there. What we try to encourage our um, bereaved population to do is to think about their needs. What's really key is being able to articulate to the other. Because one of the difficult things for the non-bereaved population is they can get it wrong quite a lot. And because they can get it wrong, they don't try because they're worried about upsetting you. So it is incumbent in some ways upon the bereaved to help their colleagues, help their friends, know what matters in the moment. And I say in the moment because next week it might not be helpful again. But if you can do what you described there, which is say to your colleagues, your line manager, look, this is coming up. This is how I know I'm going to need to to support myself. This is what I need from you. Then friends and colleagues can go, I can respond to that now. And the other thing which was really beautiful, which I want people to hear, is you said it's the fourth year. It was it was the best year being with my parents, doing it in a way that I felt I had control. And what I'd say listening to that is that one of the things that I notice and is noticed in the grieving process is when people begin to have some control over their thoughts and feelings. Of course, there'll be those moments that will come and like the moment in Deerham in the street where you're completely taken off guard. But as time moves forward, we do begin to have some control because we've learned we know our grief. I call it touching the feelings, noticing where they reside in ourselves bodily and sensation. And once you've noticed them and even when they're most acutely painful, you've born witness you've allowed them a space the next time they'll be a little tiny bit easier so having control so I hear that in you Miranda that you've begun to move to that space it is still a strength to be overwhelmed in moments and to let that happen talking about the whole it being the fourth year it is a real thing that people say in the beginning you don't ever get over it but it will get easier and you cannot imagine it but I do look back now I compare my grief and the the grief from a year or two years on is very different to now Mm. if I had heard that man shouting poor G in Mm. the street I would have been put out for a couple of days from that and I would have thought of all of the injustice and how how awful it was that he wasn't here to be being called to by his Mm. friends in the street Mm. the regret and the sadness around that the way I felt weirdly it wasn't like that it was this is the first time actually I started to think if I turned round and the poor G that he was calling to was my brother, what would he have done? He would have, he'd have held his hand up and gone, all right, mate, you know, mm. where are you off to? Mm. And then I would have said, all right, poor G. And he'd have gone, oh, it's my sister. Mm. You know, like, and, <laughs> and we'd have had an exchange in the street yeah. and he'd have taken the mick out of me and I'd walked yeah. home. And it was, I absolutely could almost visualize that. Like it, it hit me like a ton of bricks, don't get me wrong. But then I, I almost felt what would have happened rather than the injustice that it wasn't happening does that make sense it does it does beautifully and I wish I wish in this moment people could see your face as you describe that because it's really really lovely because your eyes are sparkling and there's joy and the memory of him as he was sort of shined through in that moment it really did it was precious 
and I think that and that's that clearly that's just that and then there is the sadness of that because you've remembered him yeah, then, come the tears. <laughs> then come the tears and you know I think that's okay that's okay because there I think in those moments we begin to remember with joy and that is another sign of healing healing in grief there's still the sadness of course now the tears are there but they're the sad tears of missing the George that you really loved that would have responded in the way you described and that's when we can hold something different of the person I think that that we can take forward and integrate into our lives into our story in a different way it's not full of all of the other more painful parts of the grieving but there's also a bit of relief like the, mm. some of these tears are about relief because mm. I'm glad that I that I am able to live my life and actually now I'm I'm so glad and relieved that I have this strength mm. and I have this way of controlling how I how I feel not always you know I don't want mm. anyone to think it's easy because it's not but it but it is e- easier in those moments and I think that's really important for people to understand that you can start to get a little bit more control. You learn every day little things that will help you get through it. And then those things you can pass on to others. There was a great thing that I read that said, um, be the best parts of the person that you've lost. That's what's helping me mm. is I think of who he was and the joy he found in life and the exploration of life. I want to to remember him and for his memory to live on in me. George has taught me an awful lot and I don't want to lose that by being just being sad. And I've got to the point now four years on where I'm able to almost separate those moments of crushing sadness for what they are. Let them come, let them feel them because they're horrible, but also be positive about what's to come. You know, heading into my 40s, parenting my boys, making sure that they can cope when their Mm. lives get hard Mm. and now we're talking really beautifully I'm listening to you thinking about how you integrate a sense of him as we move forward and in a way for me the integration is what I call the treasure possibly in grief it's the bit that we can keep and how we can then take that forward so there's been a really lovely sort of movement through of all of those tasks today Miranda in in sharing your story really seeing the kind of breadth of what grieving is and it isn't linear you know it doesn't mean that when you move to that place of integration you're not sometimes thrown right back into the hot pot of the rawness of your grief again or or sometimes you'll even think how can he not be here and then in that moment we have to go "Uh uh-oh but actually they're not here so there's a little moment of and they're not here and I have to do that tiny bit of grief work again it's, yeah, the it's gr- just grief such work. a fascinating process for, it, for me. It really sure is. It really that. is. It really is. And I think, you know, what you do is so amazing in helping people through it. And I think it's important to talk about what options are available to people. You know, we have in the trust a lot of options. Mm. I used, um, it's now Vita Healthcare, but I mm. used um, mm. it when it was Insight. Just mm. after he died, I had six telephone counselling sessions it's very important to know about those bereavement services that are in and out of the trust. I mean, I actually found out that George had passed away while I was sitting in my office at Woodland's house. I, my dad phoned me and told me, you know, having a huge thing like that happen at work, I guess it did make me more confident to talk to work about what was going on. But I guess there will be people out there who don't feel like they can do that. 
we have the bereavement landing page that's on the Norfolk County Council website that provides lots of information about where to go for bereavement support, but also information that people can read quietly on their own so that they know what's normal. We don't want the messiness of it, but if we know that actually grief is messy and we have to navigate it and actually if we can do it with another who has that experience that capacity to hold and be alongside you therein lies the sort of healing process because you're doing the work but you're doing it in the space with someone who's accompanying you and asking the questions and being curious about your grief with you so so you're you're accompanied and looking at it together it's really valued Sometimes something will work on one day and sometimes it won't the next. But yeah. it doesn't mean we shouldn't stop trying and that the, the bereaved shouldn't stop letting people know what is useful. It's much better to be open and honest about it than to sit with those feelings and be sad on your own because that doesn't help. The irony of this whole experience is that if we can do this talking, if we can share and, and make grieving and death and dying less of a taboo, then actually those people who are not bereaved will be able to be part of an experience that in the long run for them one day inevitably will show them a different way of doing it. And I think that if you can be part of it and be brave to be alongside, but also be brave to share, then we're changing the paradigm. We're shifting something socially you know, much much more broadly in a way which is we can talk about these things and talking helps us to be stronger and you know you've really demonstrated that beautifully today in your sharing for those people listening to this there'll be little connections for them that they'll just need to sort of soothe within themselves and notice and look after because that's what we need isn't it we need to know that there is healing eventually we have to do that work thank you for listening to take a moment with nchc if you've enjoyed this podcast please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes you can also follow nchc on all social media channels